When I was 16, I drove three hours down to Kansas City. Well, it was a little town just outside of Kansas City, right? But I drove down there for a boy. And what did I end up doing? I ended up giving a blowjob. But that's not what's important. What's important is that was the first time I ever got fingered. Now, If my parents had known I was driving three hours away at 16, it would not have been good. Now, they thought I was safely on a farm. Instead, I was realizing I didn't want boys to touch my vulva because it hurt. Should it hurt? (laughs) No. But let me describe to you what he did. And vulva owners, this might sound kind of familiar. If you have an experience like this, I want to hear about it. So DM me. All right, he shoved his fingers down my pants and started fucking jabbing, literally jabbing. And he was also like 16, so I don't want to be too hard on him. (laughs) He didn't know what he was doing. But you guys, this fucking hurt. So eventually, through the jabbing, he found the vaginal opening. (laughs) Wowza. It took a little while, honestly, because he was like, jabbing and then like rubbing really really fast and really really hard on the vulva but eventually when he found the vaginal opening he shoved his fingers in and started finger banging me and that was his idea of how to finger a woman you're welcome (laughs) so if that's familiar let me know because that was my first experience and it was so bad that within probably 45 seconds to a minute and trust me it felt a lot longer (laughs) I couldn't handle it for very long within that time I was like all right how can I get him to stop this horror without hurting his feelings now 16 year old me I was not good at communication I'm still not great at it but I think I've come a long ways (laughs) I did not know I could just be like please stop and then maybe show him by like guiding his hand no 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 I was just like, let's distract this guy. So I went very quickly to his cock. I was like hopping on, hopping on that. Like I went so fast. I was like, maybe I can wiggle into a position where he can't reach my pussy. Like we were in a car in a Walmart parking lot, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. But so I was like slowly trying to get my pussy too far away so he couldn't touch it that's how desperate I was ended up succeeding and giving him a blowjob but what is important out of this story what is important is that like many many women my first experience with somebody touching my vulva was not great and I recommend understanding that it's okay if somebody doesn't know what they're doing but it's also okay to help them out because what's not fair is to just expect somebody to be a master of it when they've never done it before. So help them, guide them, (laughs) communicate through them, or, or just send them my two-part series, which this is part one of how to pleasure a vulva. This is the important one because in this episode, I'm going to remain less explicit as far as sexual pleasure and like 
all of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to have any crazy stories, sex stories, anything like that. I want this to be a resource. I'm going to be talking about anatomy. I'm going to be talking about vulvas. And I'm going to be talking about some of the things that I don't hear talked about a lot with this kind of stuff. So, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh my god, she's such a slut, that Ellie Ray. All she does is talk about sex. (sighs) (sighs) All right, you guys. I hope everybody had a lovely holiday season. I worked less. Thanks for the break. I connected with Andrew more, and it was my first time not going to my family's big get-together, and it was a much-needed break for me mentally and emotionally, and so I really had a fantastic holiday season. My Christmas was great. My New Year's was great. All of it was pretty much just great, but if you're somebody who wasn't able to just relax over the holidays and maybe it was a little bit more stressful for you, I hope you were able to prioritize your self-care and your pleasure through it. I hope you got some needed breaks and came out feeling good and more connected with your family or, you know, just something positive came from that. And if not, it's a new year. It's a wonderful time that you can start doing that. And on the note of pleasure, let's talk about pleasuring vulva owners. To do this, you know, we really have to start with anatomy. And this isn't something that I have felt is super necessary to do in the past because when I started getting involved in the sexual wellness, sexual health atmosphere on Instagram and other places, I have seen a lot of amazing educators out there for that particular subject. And I think that there are people much more qualified and much better at it than I am for this particular subject. However, when I sat down and I wanted to do an episode about fingering a woman or a vulva owner or or eating a girl out or eating a vulva out, I realized that you just cannot do an episode with that without talking about anatomy. This might be obvious <laughs> to you guys as listeners. And then... So I wrote out what I wanted to say about pleasure, and I just wrote at the top, go through anatomy first. And when I started like actually thinking about what I was going to say with anatomy, I ended up with a lot. So much so that I decided to do an entire episode on anatomy and health and all of that kind of stuff, and then do part two on the pleasure side. So look for that episode next week. To get started, though... As much as I'm excited to talk about the vulva, our beautiful, beautiful vulva, don't forget about the rest of the body. And I want to say that first because it's so important. There are so many erogenous zones that are not the clitoris, that are not the vulva, that are not the vagina, that you can't forget about. And you have to understand, sometimes can be necessary for climax. For instance, a lot of times I cannot come without my nipples being stimulated. It's just not going to happen for me. Other times they don't need to be at all. So it's just, I mean, you know, you never know, but that can be the case. Maybe somebody needs their little earlobe rubbed, in earlobe, <laughs> if I can speak, earlobe rubbed in order to come. You never know. So don't forget about that. Erogenous zones that are not the vulva include 
earlobes, neck, titties, nipple, thighs, hips, mm, even feet. Yes, even feet. Feet are actually incredibly sensitive and can be an incredible help for arousal, let me tell you. (laughs) So keep those in mind and don't forget about those. Now, imagine you're feeling down the stomach, past the belly button, and you come to a little raised section right before you hit all the treasure, right? That's the mons pubis. Remember that because then you're in the pubic hair, unless it is like lasered off or perfectly shaved, you're going to know that there is supposed to be pubic hair there and it could be fluffy, it could be wild, it could be trimmed. It's all wonderful and up to the individual how they like to keep it. Okay, after that, you are to the treasure and you're going to get to that little split, right? At the very, very tippy tippy top is the clitoral hood. Now, I want to note here, this is sometimes a really important pleasure point, okay? This one, for me, is super important. I really enjoy pressure and stimulation on the clitoral hood. The clitoris, the glands, the nub um, can be too much. So, it's important to know that the clitoral hood is what you're going to run into first. Now, this can act as kind of a shade or kind of a protector. Sometimes it's just right above the glands nub of the clitoris. This is the only part of the clitoris that you can like see and touch. And it's really just a tiny, tiny part of the clitoris. We're gonna talk about that more later. So clitoral hood, clitoris, and then you move on down and you have, so you have the outer labia. Those are like the, the, the bigger lips. And then you have the inner labia, which are the soft, thinner, kind of like a frame. And then you have this center. And in there, you're going to find the urethral opening. And then below that, the vaginal opening. All right. Now, I'm going to talk about hymen. And this subject is really important to me because personally, I had some trauma surrounding the hymen because I was really severely lacking in knowledge about the hymen. This is something I don't see talked a lot about, uh, even on the really, really thorough sexual education pages that I follow. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I really still don't see a lot about the different types of hymen there are. And it always kind of surprises me. And then I have to remember how rare it is to have kind of an irregular hymen and it's a little bit more understandable but still it's something I'm going to talk about here because it would have helped me so much to have known the difference and to know that there are different types of hymen out there so we're going to start with the first one which is a normal hymen this is what most people have and this is why most people don't even ever find out that there are other types of hymen okay So the normal hymen is just thinner tissue. It's a thin membrane in the shape of a half moon, and it's at the bottom of the vaginal opening. So it kind of just sits like a little smiley face at the bottom of the vaginal opening. And usually there are no issues at all. It's pretty low key. 
Maybe it'll stretch, maybe it'll tear at some point if you're having really rough, vigorous sex, but usually it's never, it's never even noticed. Um, it, it's not something that has to break. It's not something that breaks just because it's the first time you're having sex. It's not a cherry that pops. It's nothing like that. It's just some thin membrane that kind of sits on the bottom of the vaginal opening like a little smiley face. All right? An imperforate hymen. This hymen is an entirely different story than a normal hymen. This is when the hymen membrane, that tissue, entirely covers the vaginal opening. There is no vaginal opening because this membrane covers the whole thing. All right, so remember the anatomy. The urethra, which what you pee out of, is entirely separate. And I just say that because when I was really little, I thought the vagina and the urethra were the same thing. It actually, I'm not proud of how long it took me to really figure that one out. But anyway, the vaginal opening is totally covered. Now, this is something that is usually caught at birth or very early on in the teen years when a girl starts menstruating. Why? Because the blood can't flow through. And this can cause some health problems. It's going to cause discomfort and other health problems that I'm not going to list right now. But the point is, this is not great. The other point is, this is usually cut and fixed. The other two hymen types I'm about to talk about are less likely to be caught and fixed, which is horrible and horrendous and terrifying. But an imperforate hymen, it would be probably the worst in the sense of if it's not caught super early and you go a long time not realizing that you started your period and like you're starting to have a lot of those health problems, that would be really rough on somebody. And the other side to this is that the likelihood of not understanding that something is wrong with you in this area is high because this stuff doesn't get talked about a lot and that's not good. Okay, that is the imperforate hymen. So this is easily fixed when caught with just a really minor surgical procedure to open up the vagina and make it the normal size. A micro perforate hymen. This is, the, this is the next one I'm going to talk about. This hymen is very similar to the imperforate except that there is a little hole. So this one, the membrane covers most of the vaginal opening. So almost the whole thing except that there is a tiny tiny little opening in it somewhere. Okay, This little opening means that menstrual blood can usually get through. It's not going to cause the problems of a fully covered imperforate hymen, but what this means is since it's so small, you're going to see issues with something such as inserting a tampon. So maybe you're not able to insert a tampon, or maybe you're able to insert it, but once it's full of blood, you can't get it out, or it's going to be super, super painful. Let's say you're somebody who doesn't use tampons ever, never tried, whatever, you make it your entire life until you're having sex and you have one of these, it's going to be excruciatingly painful. It's going to be rough. And so these are also easily fixed with just a surgical, like a really, really minor surgical operation that opens the, uh, opens it up a little bit and makes it a normal sized vagina. 
Next, we have a septate hymen. Okay, this is when the membrane has a band of extra tissue that goes across the vaginal opening, right? Usually like up and down. But this means that there is, there's basically two vaginal openings instead of one. And what this also means is that both of those vaginal openings are going to be small, okay? Because the normal opening is split in two. So it could be equal or it could be not equal. Like you could have one that's really small and one that's bigger, more normal sized. All sorts of things could happen here. Let me tell you, this was not <laughs> this was not a fun experience. The one I had with the septate hymen was not a fun experience. I had no idea, no idea that this was anything other than normal. Absolutely none. And any time that I mentioned maybe a tampon hurt, people just told me to relax. And I have to admit, like maybe I told one person about that, and I was just like, oh, you just need to relax more. It'll be fine. What happened to me was if I inserted the tampon on the smaller side, because mine were uneven, I had one bigger and one smaller, and if I inserted it on the smaller side when it got full of blood, I either couldn't get it out or it was super, super painful to come out. Eventually, I learned that I could pass the string over to the other side of the hymen and pull it out. But that wasn't like intuitive to me, you know? I just figured I should be able to put it in and put it out. And I went through a couple really painful tampon sessions where I thought I wasn't going to be able to get the tampon out. And I was like sweating and panicking and being like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? What am I gonna do? It's just not a fun time. If you have a septate hymen like this, I think this is the one that probably doesn't get properly fixed the most often because a lot of times you're still able to do everything. It's just gonna be more painful. But what should happen is you should have this surgically fixed. In my case, since I was able to do tampons and I didn't have like the full opening covered, like there was nothing that couldn't happen properly. And then I started having sex. I had a couple really, really painful sexual experiences when I first became sexually active because even the bigger opening that I had still wasn't a full vaginal opening. And even people with normal hymens can have really painful first sexual experiences because just even just a normal hymen needs a stretch. But mine was probably, you know, 60% the size that it should have been, maybe a little bit more, but it was definitely not big enough for a whole penis and it hurt really, really bad. And with rougher sex, sometimes the penis would push on the side that was really, really small, and that would hurt super, super bad, and I'd be bleeding because it would tear. And this is, not, this is not a super thin deal. It was actually pretty thick, and it hurt to stretch a lot. But eventually, it did stretch. The opening became bigger, and eventually, it totally just broke it just tore straight up and I still have like this string it's not gone it hasn't been worn away or anything like I still have the string and while I could get it removed that would just be for visual reasons it doesn't get in the way or hurt or anything anymore so I'm leaving it but uh that was not that was not really very fun for me because through 
most of it. It was probably only in the last maybe three years that I learned that there are even different types of linemen. And when I did, when I learned and I saw the pictures and I saw that septate linemen <laughs> type, I was like, holy mother Mary of fucking God, dude. That's why. <laughs> That's why it was so painful. Because I remember after becoming sexually active, I was really careful about how I worded things because I couldn't tell my mom I was sexually active because like that was a big no-no um, but I did ask her and I was like was sex painful for you I'm really worried about it or something like that and she was like no it shouldn't be painful blah blah, blah. and I just kind of was like well it's fucking painful for me in my head you know like I didn't I didn't have like the thought to look up like different types of hymen I just figured hmm it just must be painful for me, or maybe I'm doing something wrong, or whatever, I'll be fine, I'll get over it, so that was my experience with that, and I wanted to share, I know I've shared it before on this podcast, but I wanted to share it again in this episode, because I really do want this to be kind of informative, and this is important for everyone to know, not, not just younger girls, this is important for everyone, if you're ever a parent, father or mother, if you're ever important to someone, or, you know, maybe, taking somebody's virginity or anything along those lines. If, you, if there is every woman in your life who you care about who's going through something like this, having this knowledge could totally change her life. It's important and it's good. And more people should not, should talk about the different types of hymens because I think they're more popular than, than people think. Now that I just spent like 10 minutes of your time talking about hymens, <laughs> let's talk about some more fun stuff, shall we? Let's talk about our dear little clit. I already talked about the glands or the nub earlier, but that is just a tiny, tiny little part of the clitoris, right? That is the only visual part, but it's just a little, 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 tiny little peak of the iceberg when it comes to the whole clit. So let's talk about it. I like to think of a wishbone, and this is what a lot of people say to think about, but I like to say, think of a wishbone, and then think of an upside down heart inside of the wishbone. And the wishbone is basically like kind of framing the heart. So we're picturing a wishbone with an upside down heart being framed by a said wishbone. All right. The wishbone or the legs, that is what we're called. That is what is called the, the crura. Okay. And that extends five to nine centimeters into the pelvis surrounded surrounding the urethra and the vaginal canal. The bulbs are what we visualize as the heart, okay? And they go in between the vaginal canal and the crura, the, basically the wishbone. The bulbs are made of erectile tissue and they can double in size during arousal, going from three to four centimeters to seven centimeters. Okay, and these are like what what we like to be stimulated so much during penetrative sex. Let's talk about the G-spot. Let's go inside. Let's talk about the vaginal canal a little bit. So we've talked about the external anatomy, the vulva. We've talked about the clitoris. Let's talk about the vaginal canal. Okay, the G-spot. Yes, it exists. But the thing is, with the G-spot, is it is not the, like, holy grail of pleasure and in fact, there are a lot of women out there who don't even really enjoy the G-spot being stimulated. But it can be super pleasurable. So we're going to talk about it. 
basically go two inches deep towards the mon pubis and stroke or do the come here motion and it should be kind of textured and soft so some people describe it sponge-like mostly for me i just like the pressure and that feeling of being full for fingers or penis to be inserted into me i don't necessarily love the stroking motion all the time sometimes i do sometimes it's a mood thing and i'm like really into that but a lot of the time i just like the pressure i feel uh, from fingers or a penis or something being inserted into me in fact i make andrew a lot of times just sit there with his penis inside of me while i stimulate myself externally because i really love pressure i love the pressure feeling i love the full feeling uh, i don't necessarily like active active stimulation just because like it's too much and too distracting and i can't focus and so i just like that pressure and that full feeling personally for me and so for me the g-spot isn't like a huge deal and i think that's probably the case for many women but not at all some people are gonna love that finally 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 we're gonna talk about the booty hole but first can we just take a moment to appreciate just how amazing a woman's body is i mean you can touch an earlobe and that's fucking pleasurable. Uh, every part, it seems like, of a woman, when touched right, can be pleasurable. I always hate when people are like, oh, the mysterious female orgasm, it's so hard to do. Literally, suck on my earlobes and rub my clit. And listen to what I tell you. If I tell you to move a little bit to the right, move a little bit to the right. Don't move a little bit to the right and go harder. Just move a little bit to the right. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. And yes, this is a personal little pet peeve of mine. <laughs> but anyway, back to the episode. The booty hole. This is really simple, you guys. Touch it. Stroke it. Caress it. Dip in a little. Dip in a lot a little. A lot of bit. <laughs> it's really simple. Just ask. It's really, really simple. Some people are not going to want you to touch their booty hole. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to pretend like they don't want you to touch their booty hole. But if you date them for two years, maybe at some point it'll come out that they do want you to touch their booty hole. <gasps> Whoa. But you guys, that brings us to the last bit of this episode. Just like how so much of a female body can be pleasurable, some parts will be more, more so than others. In some parts, a woman might not want you to touch at all. This can be due to so many different things. It can be due to trauma, but don't assume it's due to trauma. Maybe she just doesn't want you to touch her nipples. You don't know. This is why communication is so important. And you gotta ask, and you gotta listen, and women, you gotta be okay with telling a person what you like, what you don't like, and communicating your pleasure to them. They're not gonna be great at it on the first go if they are um <laughs> you want to hook me up no but seriously your pleasure is your own and take ownership of it and be proud of the fact that you know what you like and you can walk them through what you like they're going to be super turned on by that by the way and it's so so nice to be giving pleasure to somebody who can help you give them pleasure 
eventually it's a beautiful thing to know someone so well you don't need that but also like I'm so moody dude you can be touching me one way one day and I'll want it a different way the next day it's okay to tell somebody to do something a little bit different and you should be like I said take ownership of your pleasure and if you don't know what to tell them because you don't know what you want or what you like you just had a beautiful explanation of what the vulva is what looks like the anatomy so i task you with the homework of sit in front of a mirror and explore the anatomy that you just learned and have fun with it and play with yourself until you know exactly what you like and also if you haven't seen the show sex education go watch it because this (laughs) relates exactly to one of the characters and one part of the show. I don't want to spoil anything, but she spends some good quality time with herself and she knows exactly what she likes afterwards. And that's what I want for you. Like I said, you guys, I'm leaving the episode here so I can be a resource that you can share with all of your friends and everyone you know who needs to understand the vulva better who needs this anatomy lesson before they start jabbing a vulva, before they start finger banging a vulva, before they start licking a vulva. This is that foundational type of knowledge everybody needs. It's a beautiful thing. It's a lovely thing. Even if you've heard it a thousand times, hear it again. Good stuff, you guys. That's all for this episode. Like I said at the very beginning, Thank you guys for that lovely, lovely break that I took over the holidays. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening and bearing with me this entire episode. I cannot wait to talk to you guys about actually pleasuring Evolva next week. Uh, Definitely pop in and listen to that one when it drops. As always, make sure you're following the show on Instagram and on Twitter at SugarPussPod. Follow my personal at its.ellie.ray on Instagram and at its underscore Ellie Ray on Twitter. Share this episode, share the show with all of your friends, subscribe, rate, review. I love to hear what you guys have to say. DM me on Instagram. I have a new feedback form I would love for you guys to fill out in the links in my bios. That's all for this episode, you guys. Thank you so much. I'll catch you next week. 